All right, 1 Kings chapter 18. Let's open up with a word of prayer and we'll dig into God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you, we love you, Lord. You are indeed a great and an awesome God. And we ask as we go to your word right now that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to each and every one of us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. And it's good to have Jack back on, Wednesday, on Thursday night. Can I get amen to that? Jack's back. All right. So to catch you up quickly, 1 Kings, we know that after the death of King Solomon, that Israel was split into two nations, if you will. You had Judah was the southern nation, which is just two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. And then the northern kingdom was called Israel, and it was the 10 northern tribes. And we saw that the first king, Jeroboam of the north, led the children of Israel away from the true and living God. He had a fear that if the people went down to Jerusalem to worship, they might not come back. And so what did he do? He set up idol worship. He called the gods Yahweh, but he made golden calves and he put them in convenient places for people to worship. He put one in Dan and one in Shechem. And what he was doing was the same thing that's still happening today. People want to make their relationship with God convenient for them. You know, I'll go to, I'll go to church if it's convenient. I'll go to church if it doesn't interrupt with my golf game. I'll go to, right? And we, we put God, we don't make God the priority. We make him the passion that he deserves to be. So then we saw that the southern kingdom was always going to be ruled by a descendant of David. And we saw that the southern kingdom, they almost had as many good kings as bad kings. They kind of alternated. We saw King Asa recently, godly man. Well, the northern kingdom just kept having every king got worse than the one before. And now we're at King Ahab. And it says of Ahab, that he was the most wicked of all the kings that Israel ever had. And then it talked about his wife, Jezebel. And if you've never read the Bible in your life, you already know she's not good. Because she broke that name. I've told you that, right? That name's ruined. You ever met a Jezebel? No. You've heard people, someone called Jezebel, and it's never in a good light. Amen? So Ahab, most evil, wicked king in the history of Israel, and Jezebel, that's the couple. It's a mess. Now, one of the things that Jezebel brought with her was her worship of the gods Baal and Asheroth, or Asherah, depending on how you pronounce it. And both of them were gods of fertility, but they were also, Baal was the god of rain, the god of thunder, but he was also a god of fertility. And uh, the way that uh, Baal was, was shown, you know, they're all created by men. They're all figments of men's imagination. None of these gods are real. They're just made up. But it was a man's body with a bull's head holding lightning. And that'll be significant in tonight's text. So last week we saw Elijah come onto the scene, who I love that brother. Can I get an amen to that? I love me some Elijah. And he went in when they were, they were worshiping all these false gods. And he went in and came right up to Ahab and he kicked down the idols and he told them it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. And then God moved Elijah away, told him to go to the brook Cherith and that God would provide for him there that ravens were showing up to feed him. Now, Cherith was a place where he was learning to, to rest in the Lord and wait upon the Lord and see God's provision. But see, God had him there for a reason and no suffering is wasted. Now, in the meantime, King Ahab's gotten stirred up and they're trying to find, uh, they're trying to find Elijah because they know it stopped raining and they're blaming it on Elijah. But Elijah can't do anything. He can only say what God's going to do. Can I get an amen to that? We can't do anything. We can only say what God's going to do. And, and God, God gets all the glory and God alone is the one that can make it stop raining, not us. We can be obedient to what God calls us to do. 
After he was in Cherith for a while, if you remember, he was sent to Zarephath. And there, there was a divine appointment waiting for Elijah. If you remember, it was a widow woman and her young son. And when the divine appointment took place, it was always, it's often is with God. It was right on time. When Elijah met them, the woman was out gathering up sticks. And Elijah said to her, can you give me a cup of water? And she's like, you know, sir, I'm, I'm gathering up the, these last bit of sticks, my little last piece of oil, and I'm going to make a couple of cakes for my son and I, and we're going to eat those, and we're just going to starve to death and die. And he said, well, give me some water. So she went to get him and said, while you're at it, can you make me some food? That's a big ask from somebody who doesn't have any left. But yet, for some reason, she did it. And because she did it, God blessed her. And if you remember, Elijah told her, that God would, would never, her oil cup would never run out and the flour would never run out. So this is the midst of a great drought. Now remember where she is was uh, ancient Sidon. And Sidon, Tyre and Sidon, they would trade with Israel and they would always trade for food because they never had as much food as Israel. So if Israel's in a drought, by the way, when it stops raining, food stops growing. They didn't have irrigation systems. They were out of luck. And so what was happening was the people were in a place where they're starting to starve. And the people up there, it was even worse. And then God provided for her. And if you'll remember after God had been providing for her and he'd been lodging with them, that her son died. And she kind of got mad at him. Look, you're the man of God and you've come to my place. And because of my past sins, now God is judging me. Now she recognized immediately that Elijah was this man of God. But remember what Elijah did? He went and laid on top of the young boy, laid on top of him. Not to lay hands on, laid on top of him. And God revived him, the Bible says. So he had been raised from the dead. So Elijah, this, this man of God, this prophet of God, it seems like maybe his time has been wasted. He spent time just being fed by ravens, and he spent a good deal of time just ministering to a woman and her son and maybe some of her immediate family. But see, God knows what he's doing. Can I get an amen to that? And sometimes when we're doing so, we don't realize that God has something else and maybe even something greater that's coming next. And what we're going through right now is preparation for that. Well, guess what? something greater is coming. And it's coming in tonight's chapter. And this would be, you know, if you had to pick a highlight of Elijah's life as a prophet, there's many, but this is probably the thing people think about the most when you think about Elijah's life. So grab your outline and we'll go through it quickly. And then we dig into the text. I tell the message, living a godly life in an ungodly world. At this point, the king of Israel is the most wicked king who's ever lived. And he's the king of God's people. And God's people, for the most part, have rebelled against God and they're worshiping the false idols. There's idol worship all around them. There's things going on in the idol worship, including uh, things like they're having sex with prostitutes as a part of worship. They're burning children as sacrifices. This place has become as ungodly as it gets. And this is supposed to be God's people. These are the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in the midst of that, God raises up Elijah a prophet to make a stand for the things of God. So living a godly life in an ungodly world, first we'll see all these exemplified in Elijah tonight, taking a stand for the Lord when nobody else will. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like you're in a room full of people where nobody wants anything to do with God? Or you feel like you're the lone ranger? Well, just know this, God's got you there for a reason. You've heard me say this many times, you know, the Canal Valley, they don't put all the street lights on one corner. They spread them out all over the city. Why? Because we don't want one bright place and a bunch of dark places. We want, we want the light to be everywhere. And God does the same thing with us. You might be the only Christian in your office, the only Christian in your neighborhood, the only Christian in, you know, uh, in your group of 
people that you, you go to work out with or whatever it might be. And you're there to be salt and light for a reason. And we need to make a stand for the Lord when nobody else will. Number two, living a life that increases the faith of others. I love hanging out with people that are people of great faith. How about you? I love hanging out with people that are on fire for the Lord and unashamed of the gospel. You know, as iron sharpens iron, so man builds up the countenance of his friends. Amen. And we hang out with people that love God as much or more than we do. It helps us grow in our relationship with God. I put on there, don't be afraid to do God's will and don't be satisfied living uh, where it is comfortable. And that's where most of us want to stay. Number three, proclaim the truth of God's word with boldness. We're going to see in tonight's text, it's, it's interesting how this works, but you know, when the Holy Spirit convicts you, when the Holy Spirit gives you an opportunity, boldness doesn't mean you have to be screaming. Can I get amen to that? You can speak with boldness and do it in a kind, in a loving, in a gracious way, but speak the truth even when people don't want to hear it and do it under the empowering work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And guys, we want to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. We want to say, here I am, Lord, use me. Eyes of the Lord search to and fro among the whole earth, seeking one he can show himself strong and account of, one whose heart is loyal or faithful to him. We want to be the men and women that say, yes, Lord, use me and give me that opportunity. Number four, exhort others to choose today whom they will serve. He's going to ask, he's going to ask Israel, how long are you going to falter between two opinions? How long are you going to think that you can worship Baal and, Jeho- and Yahweh at the same time? How do you think you can live with the world and live for God at the same time? Well, that's a message for much of our country. Can I get an amen to that? Even many professing Christians, well, I'm a Christian Sunday morning and Thursday night, and you know, maybe once in a while I'll read a devotion during the week, but I look just like the world the rest of the time. Guys, we have to choose whom we're going to serve. No decision is a decision. Can I get an amen to that? You're in an elevator. You got to push up or down. If you don't do anything, you ain't going anywhere. Can I get an amen to that? And the sad part is, depending on what you do, you're going to go up or down. Can I get an amen? Put feet to your faith. So along with choosing who you will serve, step out and trust that God will show up in a mighty way. You know, do something that so is out of your comfort zone and just step out in faith to watch God catch you, right? And I love that. I love when we step out and we see God do, do incredible things. Number six, trust God to do the impossible. You know, we have not because we ask not. Amen. There's people maybe you've been praying for and you've given up. Don't give up. Keep praying. Amen? Keep praying. I told you about my boss. 15 years, my Muslim boss in San Jose prayed for her for 15 years. And it took me almost dying and being in the hospital for a year for her to have a softened heart, show up at church and get saved and then come all the way down here when I moved down here so I could baptize her in the ocean of Malibu. And now she's on fire for God and sends me Bible verses. Keep praying. Can I get an Amen keep praying. We pray in our time. God answers in his time. Let's keep praying. Don't give up. And finally, that's the last one is pray without ceasing because we know that God can do the impossible. There are people that you, maybe only you pray for. Have you ever thought about that? You might be the only person. My wife grew up in a, in a family that was not, there were no Christians in her family, none. And from the day I was born, my mom would always pray, come in every night, lay hands on my head and pray for the woman I would marry one day. And I did the same with my kids. And so when my wife met my mom, my mom ended up leading her to the Lord, by the way. Then we started dating. My dad baptized her. I married her. We kept it all in the family. It was great. But what happened was that she was able to look at my wife and say, I've been praying for you for 21 years. And and my wife said, I'm sure you were probably the only person praying for me. So guys, sometimes there's people in your life that you're the only person praying for them. Pray for them. Keep praying. Can I get an amen to that? All right, let's begin. They're looking at living a godly life in an ungodly world. 
taking a stand for the Lord when nobody else will. It says, it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. So he's been in Cherith for a period of time where the ravens were feeding him. Now he's been in Zarephath, by the way, Jezebel's hometown, which I think is absolutely awesome, by the way, because they're looking for him and he's hanging out in her hometown, ministering to people in her hometown. And it's, a, it's the land that's filled with Baal and Asheroth worship. So he's been gone. It's been three and a half years. We know from James, the book of James, it was, it'd been three years and six months since he had gone before Ahab and told him it wasn't going to rain. And now three and a half years later, after he's been out in the wilderness for a while and he's been up in Zarephath ministering to this family, seeing that young boy raised from the dead, now God speaks to him again and says, I want you to go and present yourself to Ahab. Remember, Ahab's evil guy. We'll find out later in the text that Jezebel had slaughtered almost all of the priests and the prophets, all those who had stood for the truth of the true and living God, because she was an idol-worshiping uh, evil woman. She had them all put to, almost all of them put to death. There are some that are in hiding, as we'll see in a little bit. It says in uh, James 5, Elijah was a man with a, heart, with, with a heart like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three years and six months. So three and a half years, it had not rained, Three and a half years, Ahab's been looking for Elijah. Three and a half years, they've been slaughtering most of the prophets of Israel. It's been, it's been terror. People are in a drought. There's no food. People are becoming desperate. Elijah was a person whom you'd expect to show up in the last days. We, we know in the tribu Great Tribulation, this is just Pastor Dave's opinion. You know, the Bible talks about the two witnesses in the last days. And it, it ultimately, it doesn't even matter who it is. But I have an idea that it's Elijah and Moses because Elijah represents the prophets and Moses represents the law. But what's interesting, it says in Malachi, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming great and dreadful day of the Lord. And when we think of the two witnesses in Revelation 11, it says this, and I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in, ash, clothed, in, clothed in sackcloth. Now that's three and a half years. So for three and a half years, it didn't rain because Elijah, God used Elijah to say it wouldn't rain. And then these guys are going to be on the earth for three and a half years, preaching with boldness. And again, God's going to use them in a mighty way. And it's amazing. It says, if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all the plagues as often as they desire. I think Elijah is a good candidate for that because he's already, he's already made it stop raining once. Can I get an amen to that? Now, the Lord did it, but he was being faithful. So they're going to be on the earth three and a half years. And here we see Elijah for three and a half years. Now, again, the time he was away, God was preparing him for this very moment. God was using him while he was preparing him. The things he was doing before were not any less important. Do you think it was important to that, that woman that he ministered to? She gave her life to the Lord, right? She started following the God of, of, started following Yahweh. She's in heaven. Can I get him into that? Her son was, her son raised from the dead. That was significant. And his time alone in the wilderness, I think God helped Elijah deepen and grow his prayer life. If you're out in the middle of the dead, if you're out in the middle of nowhere and there's no human contact, well, the one person you're going to be talking to is 
the Lord. It says there at the end of the verse, and I will send rain on the earth. So he tells him, I want you to go that the word of the Lord came to Elijah. So God spoke to him and told him to go tell Ahab that he was going to send rain. It says in 1 Kings 17, 1, and Elijah the Tishbite, inhabitants of, the, of Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives, be home whom, from whom I stand in front of, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. And because it wasn't Elijah's word, but it was God's word that really counted. And sometimes we can confuse that. We hear words of men and we equate them to words of God. And again, if men speak, and if it's just coming from man, it's kind of a waste of time. Can I get an amen? The Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. If a man doesn't fear God, he doesn't have any wisdom. Amen? And so we don't seek the wisdom of men. What we want to hear is the Lord, and the Lord uses us. You know, we're tools in the hands of the master, but it's not our wisdom. It's the word of God that can come forth from us. And again, but God is the one who does the work. So I think that some of Elijah's trouble is going to come because Ahab thinks that it's really Elijah that's causing the trouble. So he wants Elijah dead because he thinks, well, if he dies, maybe it'll rain again. Now, by the way, this is a slap in the face to their God, Baal, because their God, Baal, is the God of storms and thunder and fertility, and it stopped raining. And their God's had three and a half years to get it to rain, and it's not raining. You know why? Because he doesn't exist. Can I get an amen to that? Something they made out of a block of wood or iron or metal or whatever they made him out of. And he's not really, a, he's, not, he's just a, an idol, nothing more. And so for three and a half years, they're finding out, well, that God's not really working out too well for us. But now he's going to go back and tell Ahab. But as he goes back to tell Ahab, he could have been afraid. Because Ahab had all the prophets killed or Jezebel did, and Ahab had been looking for him. They've been searching, trying to find him for three and a half years. Now he's just going to walk right in and talk to Ahab. Guys, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Amen? No amount of prayer rituals or sacrifices made by the king or Queen Jezebel or the people, uh, uh, the people or the prophets of Baal could bring the end to the drought because Baal, like all other false gods, does not exist. That's why it's torturous to see people praying to gods that don't exist. It breaks my heart. They're wasting their time. Can I get an amen? It's tragic. I've told you guys a story. I was in India. I've been in India seven times teaching pastors how to study and teach the Bible and have as many as a thousand pastors at a time. A lot of them, they're newer Christians. They come out of Hinduism and Islam. And, you know, it's, if you don't prepare them to go out and teach, you got the beginning of a cult. Can I get amen? So I need to know what they believe and why they believe and be able to teach it. Amen? But I was there during Diwali a couple times, which is the high Hindu holiday. And I remember they took me up to the largest, uh, I forget what they call the Hindu. It's not a mosque. That's Islam. But whatever they call the Hindu temples. And it was the largest one in all of India. And I saw this man, he was on his knees weeping, and he was just crying out at the top of his lungs to this statue of an elephant. And he's weeping and crying out, and it just broke my heart, because I'm, I'm like, this is sad, it's tragic, amen? He's crying out to a, a, a cement elephant created with the hands of men, when there's a true and living God who loves him so much, he'd rather die than live without him, amen? And that's why we need to point people to the truth. And the sad part is that they cried out to Baal and nothing happened. Because when you cry out to false gods, nothing can happen. Now, the only time that something may happen if you cry out to a false god is if Satan, you know, tries to impersonate that god to make people think that god exists. Amen? So when, when the better result is nothing, 
And the worst result is Satan does something when you cry out to this false god. That's not a good thing. Amen? The only words or writings of men that hold eternal value are those that are given by the Holy Spirit. If it doesn't come from the Lord, if it doesn't originate with God, it's, no, it's of no ter- eternal value. We're simply tools in the hands of the master, and apart from him, no good in us dwells. There are times when God will, uh, by divine appointment and opportunities for us, to, to be used by him and the power of the Holy Spirit, and he will speak through us to minister to others, but it will always align with the word of God. And be careful when you come up to somebody and say, thus saith the Lord. I've had it said to me more times than I can count, and I would guess that 90% of the time, the Lord had nothing to do with it. Can I get an amen to that? So we don't want to speak you know, for the Lord. We want to speak in the power of the Holy Spirit as God prompts us to do so, and just know that when it is from God, it will always agree with the word of God. So notice what it says there. Go present yourself to Ahab. He could have said, wait a minute, that guy kills prophets. And I've heard for three and a half years, I'll be on, this number, I'll be on a, you know, the most wanted list of King Ahab. That's not what he says. Verse two. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. And there was severe famine in Samaria. Well, we already knew that. But notice that Elijah obeys. It's dangerous. Uh, it's not something that most people would want to do. But when God calls him to do it, he does it. You know what that's called? That's called being a man or a woman of faith. Amen? The Bible says to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. The highest form of worship is obedience. Amen? We can sing all the songs we want, but if we don't go live it out there, you know, if, Sunday, if Monday doesn't change, Sunday doesn't count. Amen? And there needs to be that, that we get to a place where we recognize I'm going to live my life for the Lord. My life belongs to him. It's not my life, it's his. He paid for it. Amen? And whatever he chooses to do in and through me, I want to make myself available to him. So Elijah went and did as he was commanded. He's going to deliver God's message. He delivered the message when the drought was coming, and now he's going to deliver the message again. So he obeyed the Lord when he fled to the brook Cherith, and God fed him with ravens. He obeyed the Lord and went to Zarephath, where God brought a divine appointment with the starving woman and her son. And God provided for her in the midst of the drought. And Elijah interceded on behalf of her dead son, and he raised from the dead. Now the Lord instructs Elijah to go present himself once again to the wicked king. So again, I quote this verse a lot out of Second Chronicles the eyes of the Lord search to and fro among the whole earth, seeking one who can show himself strong on account of one whose heart is loyal to him. God's not looking for a better method or a better message because we got the best message. Can I get an amen to that? What he's looking for is men and women who will say, I'm here. Lord, use me. I'm in. How can, how can I serve you? What can I do for you? Yes, Lord. Lord, whatever the question is, the answer is yes. And may we be men and women who have a heart to serve God above all else. Elijah was used mildly by God as he made himself available and followed wherever the Lord led him. He led him to be alone with him. That was preparation time. To minister in anonymity anonymity to a poor widow and her son, and now to stand boldly before a wicked king. May we make ourselves available to be used by God however he sees fit. Amen? You have people that want to serve in a local church. The church in Santa Cruz got very large and people would come and want to serve, but they'd have, but yeah, but I want to serve. And they would tell you what they want. I'm only going to serve if I can do this. And the reality is we all, if we have a servant's heart, we should be willing to serve anywhere there's a need. Can I get an amen to that? And as you're faithful to serve where there's a need and you're faithful to, in, in the smaller things, it may be that God will choose you to do even greater things. 
But it always begins with the heart of a servant. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. Now watch what happens, verse 3. So, and Ahab called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord God greatly. Now what's amazing is, he feared the Lord greatly, and he was still alive. Now Ahab, again, he is the king of Israel. He's not the king of, of the Philistines. He's the king of Israel. And this guy is an evil and wicked man. But at the same time, you notice he keeps a righteous man around him because he knows that a righteous man will be a blessing to him. Isn't it amazing how when people are going through difficulty that really want nothing to do with God, at the same time when they're in a place of desperation and they can't fix it on their own, they'll say, well, who do I know that prays? Or who do I know that has a relationship with God. You know, uh, I can't tell how many coworkers that would mock me behind my back and then their dad gets cancer and they're over at my cubicle going, hey, Pastor Dave, Pastor Dave, right? Can you pray? And here's the reality that even an ungodly world to some degree will recognize that having godly people around is a good idea. Can I get amen? So here's Obadiah. He greatly fears the Lord. God has protected his life. He is there inside the house of King Ahab. He's running King Ahab's house. You know, who does this remind you of? Joseph. Remember, Joseph was, you know, overseeing Potiphar's house. You know, here, here he is. He's this man being used mildly by God. And why? Because he's a godly man and God chose to use him. And, and everything he touched, uh, God would bless it. Wherever God may place or choose to use you, we are to be faithful and be a Christ-like example and be salt and light. The king over God's people who was evil still had a man around him. It's amazing how ungodly people want godly and righteous men to care for their homes and their families and their finances. They want someone honest and godly who loves the Lord, even though they themselves have chosen not to. Verse four, for so, for it was, so it was, while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord... The queen is massacring the prophets of the Lord. She's killing those who speak for God in the land that God gave to God's people. Doesn't get much more wicked than that. It says, it says that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them 50 in a cave and had fed them with bread and water. So Obadiah is taking his position and he's using it to preserve the lives of 100 prophets. Now, these prophets are hiding out in caves, and it's during a drought, so the water and food is not plentiful, but Obadiah has some access to it because he's in the king's house, and if anybody's got water, it's the king, and if anybody's got food, it's the king, and so he's this guy that's, you know, under the radar, taking care of people. He's not, he's not quite Elijah. Elijah walked in and kicked the idols down, but he's still being used by the Lord, and guys, we don't all have to be Greg Laurie. Can I get an amen to that? We don't have to be Billy Graham. We don't all have to be, you know, the person that maybe is most up front, but God has a gift he's given you that Billy Graham didn't have or Greg Laurie doesn't have. And God wants to use you right where you are with the gifts that you've been given. And I always tell people, be faithful where you are. Obadiah is being faithful where he is. He's being faithful in Ahab's house. And what is he doing? He's taking the resources from Ahab and he's making sure these prophets who's when all the prophets are being massacred, that their lives would be spared. So in the world, but not of it, influencing our generation, Obadiah is a good guy and he's working for a bad guy. 
kind of like Daniel, again, working the Babylonian government or Joseph. And be careful of thinking as a believer, you need to withdraw from the world and join a monastery. We don't need to do that. You know, Christians aren't supposed to go climb up on a mountain somewhere and just wait for Jesus to come back. Amen. Oh, I'm living, I'm going to go around home, you know, for the next 50 years. So he gets here. God did not save you. God saved you to use you. Can I get an amen for his kingdom and for his glory? That being said, we don't have to flee from the world, but we also should not become like the world. Amen. We minister to the world, but have no fellowship with it. You know, you know, it's, it's that illustration that the boat's in the water. We don't want the water in the boat. Amen. You know, we're in the world. But we don't want the world in us. Amen. We're called to minister to the world, but have no fellowship with it. So it says in Matthew, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. When we're hiding from the world, we're having no impact on it. Amen. So there's that happy, there's that, that, that place we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to just be like the world but also not to hide from the world. We're to minister to the world, but have no fellowship with it. Verse five. And Ahab said to Obadiah, go into the land, to all the springs of water, and to all the brooks, and perhaps we may find grass to keep the horses and mules alive so that we will ha not have to kill any livestock. So they divided the land between them to explore it. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. So even the king is down to the place. This drought has gotten so bad that even the king's animals may die. They're running out of livestock. That also would destroy their army. They'd be, they'd be sitting ducks for the lands around them, the nations around them. And the, and the whole reason that they're enduring, we're going to see this in a moment, that they're enduring this hardship is because Ahab and Jezebel and those in the land are following a false God instead of following the true and living God. You cannot be in rebellion and be in fellowship at the same time. Amen? And Ahab's God had failed him. He seeks help from... right. Ob well, maybe we should send Obadiah out to find water because we've been praying to Baal for three and a half years. It's not working. And Ob Obadiah's got a relationship with Yahweh that I don't have. And so maybe send him out. They're in a place of desperation. Ahab's living in open rebellion against the true and living God, the God of Israel. He needs to repent, and he seeks to get help from one he knows has a relationship with the Lord. And like I said, oftentimes it's in places of times of desperation when even the ungodly will seek help from those who, that they know know the Lord. So point number one, taking a stand for the Lord when nobody else will. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. God told Ahab, I mean, told uh, Elijah to go to Ahab. Elijah says, yes, Lord. He's on his way to go meet with Ahab. He's going to stand, not worried, not fearful, not anxious, trusting the Lord. Point number two, living a life that increases the faith of others. Look at verse seven. Now, as Obadiah was on his way, suddenly Elijah met him. What would we call that? Divine appointment. So Obadiah goes in one direction to go find water and you know maybe grass to take care of the livestock. And he runs into Elijah. I love it. Now, it's funny that they went in different directions. Ahab didn't run into him, but Obadiah did. Now, Obadiah knows everything about Ahab. And he knows that Ahab hates Elijah, that he wants him dead. He knows that Jezebel's killed every prophet she could find. And this is the guy on top of the list. Now, Obadiah is being a faithful man and that he's feeding these guys in the caves. But there's only so far this guy's willing to go. Let's take a look. He says there, 
And he recognized him and fell on his face and said, is that you, my Lord, Elijah? And he answered him and said, it is. Go tell your master, Elijah's here. Hey, Obadiah, just go tell him. Go, where, where's Ahab? Go get him for me. And Obadiah's going, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't want to be like associated with you, bro. I mean, not, I mean, you're my Lord, but not so much, right? I mean, I'll bow before, thank God for you, but I'm not so sure I want to be standing next to you when you're going to be all radical. I mean, I heard last time you kicked all the idols down and, you're the, and you know, God used you to say it wasn't going to rain. And by the way, they all want you dead and you want me to go tell them. And then look what he says. This just shows that while he's a man of faith, he could have a lot more faith. So he said, how have I sinned that you are delivering your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to hunt for you. And when they said he's not here, he took an oath from the kingdom or nation that they could not find you. And now you say, go tell, my, tell your master Elijah. Dude, he wants you dead. He's looking everywhere for you. He's made everybody make a pledge. They don't know where you are. And I'm going to come back and say that I know where you are. He'll kill me. Now Obadiah, again, he's got a level of faith. He's hiding these guys and feeding them. But he doesn't have a level of boldness, certainly not the boldness that Elijah has, because he's more afraid of men than he is in a position where he wants to be faithful to God. Elijah trusted God no matter where he told him to go. Obadiah, this is too much for him. He'll only trust God so far. He'll only listen to what the Lord has to say as long as it doesn't get too radical. And maybe that's how some of us are. Yeah, I'll share my faith, you know, Maybe I'll, I'll throw something up on my Facebook page or something, but I'm not really going to like talk to people about Jesus on a street corner. I'm not going to tell my neighbor that he needs to get saved. I mean, you know, I'm, I can go so far, but I'm not going to go that far. And that's kind of Obadiah in this text. So Obadiah is willing to serve God, but he's also thinking more about his own preservation than doing what God would have him to do. Look at verse 12. So it came to pass as soon as I was gone from... As, and so it shall come to pass, as soon as I'm gone from you, that the Spirit of the Lord will carry you to a place I do not know. So when I go and tell Ahab, he cannot find you, he will kill me. But if your servant had feared the Lord, but I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Here's what he's saying. Well, if I go tell him that you're here, Elijah, I know how God moves you all over the place. And he may just send you somewhere else, and then I'll bring Ahab back and you won't be here. And then he's just going to kill me. This guy lacks faith. Can I get amen? And he's not heeding the, you know, what does God want me to do? He's just more concerned about his own preservation. He's risking his life to protect a hundred prophets, but he's not willing and uh, did not want to openly be associated with Elijah. Guys, are you willing to be openly associated with Jesus Christ? I pray that you are. Can I get an amen to that? You know when there's that opportunity to make a stand for the things of God and to stand out when maybe when nobody else will, when something's going on and his name's being cursed around you. And I know a lot of people that will tell me flat out, I'm not that guy, I can't do that. I won't even wear a Christian tee. I won't put a Christian fish on my car. I won't wear a Christian I'm not gonna stand up for God. I'm not, I can't do that. I just pray quietly that God will bring somebody else. Well, can I encourage you that that somebody else is you? Can I get an Amen. Go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's a great commission. We're called by the Lord to go out and tell, share our faith with other people. And you're the only Jesus some people will see. Billy Graham's not coming to your office this week, amen? He's not, not going to be walking his dog in your neighborhood, amen? He's in heaven now. Here's the reality, though, but God may want to use you. And we just need to be available and say, Lord, I, I know, look, you, Lord, Moses said, I'm a stutterer. I, I, don't, I, I, don't know how to, I don't know how to talk. And God used him 
to be the one to speak for him in front of Pharaoh. Amen? God's not, he's not looking for ability, but availability. And I love that heart. Lord, just take me out of my comfort zone. If the Lord leads you somewhere else, Elijah, I'll be left holding the bag. Uh, they can't threaten us with heaven. Can I get an amen to that? So he's fearful to take a bold stand before the world. He was afraid of the potential consequences, and so too many Christians today will take a stand for the Lord behind the scenes, but they don't want to have to do it in front of other people. Verse 13, was it not reported to my Lord that when I, what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord, how I hid 100 men of the, of the Lord's prophets, 50 in a cave, and fed them with bread and water? And now you say, go tell your master, Elijah is here, he will kill me. He's got a one-track record. He's going to kill me. I'm going to die. He's going to kill me. <laughs> Forget Gulliver's Travels. You guys remember that? This is, if you're old, there's this one character who walks around the whole time. Oh, no, we're all doomed. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. And he just does this the whole cartoon. That's all he does. Oh, no, we're all going to die. I'm like, what? good part of person to have friends. That's Obadiah. Can I get an amen? He just keeps saying, the Lord's, oh, they're going to kill me. Oh, I'm going to die. And what he's trying to say is, well, I'm already doing stuff for the Lord. Why do you want me to do this? I'm already risking my life for the 100 guys in the cave. Why are you asking me to do even more? Guys, we've never done enough for the Lord. Can I get an amen? amen. We can never get to the place where I'm already doing these things for the Lord, so I don't need to do anything else. I'm already over the quota for the things of God. Guys, we should desire to do more for the kingdom of God. Amen? So Obadiah lets him know, Bro, I, I uh, yeah, uh, he's going to kill me. I, I, verse 15. Then Elijah said, as the Lord hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely present myself to him today. Here's what Elijah does. He tries to encourage and strengthen the faith of Obadiah. Obadiah's biggest concern is, I'm going to go tell him that you're here. We're going to come back and you're going to be gone. And then I'm dead. And you left once before and we couldn't find you for three and a half years. We don't know where you went. And if you leave again, I'm going to be in trouble. So I love Elijah basically like puts his hand on his shoulder and says, hey, Obadiah, before almighty God, I'll go talk to him today. Let's make this happen. And how Obadiah, his faith is going to be strengthened by the faith of Elijah. Because Elijah is a man of great faith and he speaks with certainty and he speaks, you know, with the power of the Holy Spirit into his life. Now watch what it says in verse 16. So Obadiah went and met Ahab and told him, and Ahab went and met Elijah. So it took Obadiah to be encouraged by somebody who had greater faith than him. And you know, sometimes we all need that. Can I get an amen to that? Sometimes we're in a place where we're struggling in our faith. Things are going more difficult. Things are happening to us we didn't see coming. And we need others around us who have great faith to put their arm around us and encourage us and exhort us and strengthen us in our walk. Can I get an amen to that? This is why we forsake not the gathering yourselves together and all the more as the day approaches. This is why Christianity is not for the Lone Ranger, amen? And Christianity is not something to just be watched on television, amen? And again, I get it if there's circumstances where that takes place, but here's the reality. We need fellowship, and we need to use our gifts to minister to others, and that won't take place if we're isolating ourselves from the world. And again, God has not given us that spirit of fear. So don't be afraid to do God's will. Sometimes we become like Obadiah, always afraid of what God's going to do to us. Just like the widow when her son died and said to Elijah, oh, it's because of my sin that my son died. Guys, we need to trust that God is faithful and he loves us. Amen? 
It says in Romans, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable, God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Guys, we're to present our bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord. Amen? Because again, when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. When we let God have complete control of our lives, we will prove to others around us that God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. So point number one was taking a stand for the Lord when no one else will, to live a godly life in an ungodly world. Number two, living a life that increases the faith of others. Elijah's faith created greater faith in Obadiah, a man who already had faith in God. Point number three, proclaiming the truth of God's word with boldness. So he's showing up to see Ahab. Ahab wants him dead. He went in and humiliated Ahab in front of Jezebel. He kicked down his idols. He told him it wasn't going to rain anymore. It hasn't rained. He showed up their God, Baal, who's supposed to be the God of rain and thunder and lightning. He showed him up. And now here he comes and we don't see him sneaking in. Look what it says here, verse 17. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, Elijah said to him, is that you, old troubler of Israel? Now, I love this because this is what happens in the world today. You know who the world thinks the troublemakers are? Us. You know why? Because we would dare to stand up and say, what you're doing is evil, ungodly, and wrong. Amen? And when they hear that, they say, oh, you're troublemakers. Our local uh, uh, school board in Newberry Park, one of the ladies that was running, it was on her brochure. I have it at home. I can't believe she wrote this down. It said the greatest threat to our educational system is evangelical Christians because they believe that only the following of the God that they believe in is the only way to train up our children and they stand against everything we believe in. And what she means by that is homosexuality and transgenderism and evolution and denying that God is real and making the government more important than God, all kinds of other nonsense. Can I get an amen to that? And I read this. I'm like, you've got to be kidding. And by the way, she won big. She won big. She was running against a Christian lady that goes to God speak and she trounced her. That's the world we live in. Amen. And so people see those that stand against evil. See, we used to be a moral society where we knew right from wrong. Then we became an immoral society, which means we knew right from wrong and people chose to do wrong. Now we're an amoral society, which means there are no morals. And the only people that catch any heat are the people that have morals. Can I get an amen to that? To without morality, and they see us as the troublemakers because you're transphobic, homophobic, xenophobic, blah, blah, blah. I'm xenophobic. That'll cover it. Can I get an amen to that? And we need to make a stand for the things of God. And they don't want to hear it when you'll stand for the things of God. Praise God we meet at a Christian school. Can I get an amen to that? I'm thankful we pay our rent to this school so they can have more kids here on scholarship. Can I get an amen to that? So praise the Lord for that. But here he is. He calls him the troublemaker. Wicked, vile Ahab and his wife Jezebel and the ones who brought Baal and Ashtaroth worship in to the land of Israel, who God calls the most wicked man on the earth, calls the prophet Elijah a troublemaker. You're the troubler of Israel. Don't be surprised when you make a stand for God that the world will not like it. Amen? The world will seek to silence you. 
The world will poke, poke, poke their fingers at, point their fingers at you. And again, don't be arrogant. Never be self-righteous. Don't be a Pharisee. Be kind, be loving, be gracious, but speak the truth with boldness. Can I get an amen? And don't back down. I told you just recently, I got called by HR because somebody told, my company's merged seven times since I've been there. So they've got new rules all the time. Now the headquarters in Dallas, I get a call from HR and they said, we have a report that you have another job. And our company says you can only have one job because they don't want you working your other job while they're paying you. And I said, well, yeah, I pastor a church. It's not a job. It's a calling. Amen. Well, we have to interview about this. I said, okay, let's feel free to do that. She said, well, how many hours a week do you, my boss said, tell them five hours a week. I said, well, about 50 hours a week. By the time I study, answer phone calls, minister to people, pray with people, it's probably 50 hours a week. Oh, doesn't that infringe on your time with the company? I said, well, let me ask you a question. Grace of God. Well, let me ask you a question. How am I doing at the job? Is God blessing me at work? Well, yeah, it says here the number one. Okay, okay. so I'm just, just checking. Amen? Got to get amen. But they were wanting me to basically say that I would back off my hours here to make sure it doesn't interrupt. And I go, look, can I clue you in? Let me clue you in on something right now. If I have to choose between doing, being a pastor and working at this company, that's not a problem. Do you understand that? And guys, I'm going to make a stand for the things of God. And, and, and she said, well, but you don't like share your faith. I share my faith every day with every customer I see, all of them. And I'll get another job. As a matter of fact, I'll go sell for a competitor and put you into the ground if I have to. In Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? But the reality is that there's times when people are going to come against you just because you're a Christian. I couldn't believe I'm having this conversation with HR. I said, so if I was going to strip clubs on the weekend, that would be okay. That's exactly what I said. If I was out cheating on my wife, getting drunk and going to strip clubs on the weekend, that's okay. But if I'm pastoring a church, that's concerning to you? She's like, well, I never said all of that. I said, well, I'm just asking. Why are you calling me? I don't understand why I'm having this conversation. Maybe I, I, I know why you call me. God wants me to witness to you. That's what it is. So I start talking about the, I think we're good here. You know, that's what happens. But the point I'm making is sometimes when we make a stand for the Lord, we're seen as the troublemaker. Amen? You know what? You know, the, the, dark, the darkest place in town doesn't want a halogen light showing up. Amen? When you walk into the room as a born-again Christian, you, you know, we shine brightly for the Lord. Amen? And a lot of people want to... So he says, you're the trouble of Israel. Wow. Now, what does he say? Does he wimp out here? Does Eli, look what Elijah says. I love this. I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, and then you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Go get your false prophets and let's go, let's go have a showdown. This is the gunfight at the OK Corral in a sec. Go get, your, go get your 850 prophets to these false gods. Let's go up to Mount Carmel and we're going to find out whose God is God. And by the way, I'm not the problem, you are. And the reason that your life is a mess is not because the Christians are speaking out against your behavior. It's because you're choosing to walk in open rebellion against the God who created you and the way of the transgressor is hard. Can I get an amen to that? If you Christians would just be nice about it, it would be, my, my lifestyle wouldn't be a problem. No, your lifestyle is a problem with God. It's not a problem with me and God will deal with you. Now you can repent. The Lord loves you. He'd rather die than live without you. Amen. Here's the exhortation. So point number three there. Proclaiming, proclaiming the truth of God's word with boldness. Does he seem that he's afraid of Ahab at all? Is he worried about him? Is he scared to death of him? You know why? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
You plus God is a majority. Can I get an amen? If God's on my side, I have nothing to fear. And, uh, and these are the men and women that God uses who are not concerned with being popular with men, but being faithful to God. Amen? And that's exactly what Elijah is doing. Point number four, exhort others to choose today whom they will serve. Look what he says. So Ahab sent all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Now I love this. They go get the children of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, many of whom have started following the false gods and they're going back and forth. Well, I still believe in Yahweh, but you know, they're, they're making sacrifices to Baal and making sa- And so what's happened is they've turned their hearts away from God and they all gather together at Mount Carmel. If you've ever been to Israel, Mount Carmel is really a range of mountains. And it looks over the Valley of Jezreel, where Armageddon is, where Armageddon's going to take place. And it's the most green and lush place I've ever seen in my life. And in the top of that, the highest peak of Mount Carmel is where most people believe where this would take place. So they all gathered together. It would have been a place where literally tens of hundreds of thousands could have watched. It doesn't say how many showed up, but they called for all of Israel to come and witness this. And there's going to be a challenge made. Is Baal God or is Yahweh God? Gee, I wonder who's going to win. But look what happens. It says in verse 21, And Elijah came to all the people. How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered not a word. This is an exhortation for many of us, for many people who proclaim themselves to be Christians today. Choose today whom you're going to serve, as Joshua said. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen? And there are people that they're tossed back and forth. I saw this quote. It said, they're too worldly to have an impact on the church and they're too godly to be comfortable in the world. And there's a lot of people that are like that, that they're just kind of caught in between. They're in the elevator, not knowing to push the up or the down button, right? They're, they're just in the middle. And he's basically telling them, if you're going to serve God, then serve God. If you're going to serve Bell, then be about it. If you're going to chase after the world, go chase after the world. If you're going to reject God, reject him completely because you can't have a half-hearted relationship with Almighty God. You're either in with both feet or you're out. Can I get an amen to that? So every time I've been to Israel, we teach on this chapter up on Mount Carmel, up on the peak. Elijah is challenging the people as there could have been a very large crowd there because it's elevated and there's places for them to stand. And many proclaiming Christians, again, are struggling between the world and walking with the Lord. No decision is a decision. Get off the fence. Choose today whom you will serve. The Bible says, be you hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. You cannot worship two mutually exclusive gods at the same time. You can't worship the God who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to father but by me. And the God who wants you to sacrifice your children and, you know, have, have orgies in the name of worship. Guys, these are mutually exclusive. You can't worship them both. Can I get an amen to that? And guys, we need to make, we understand that too. We cannot worship the world and worship God at the same time. Choose today whom you will serve. So it says there in verse 22, then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. 
Then you will call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. So in front of this huge group of the children of Israel that are there, Elijah throws down this challenge. And he gives what Baal would want if Baal was the one uh, choosing how this would take place, because he's supposed to be the God of lightning. They were also going to do it on one of his altars that already existed where sacrifices were already made to him. So he's a God of thunder. By the way, he's also depicted as a bull's head and they're going to have a bull on the fire. So there's a bull on the fire. They're using his altar and he's the, you know, he's the God of lightning and thunder and fire. So this should be perfect. This is right up his alley. You think he should win in a landslide if he's really the God that they say he is. And so they're going to put them to the test and he makes the challenge in front of everyone. And I love that all the people even agreed this is good. By the way, and they have 450 prophets and Elijah's by himself. 450 prophets of Baal over here crying out to their God and Elijah over here by himself. And we're going to see that they're their wood's going to be dry. We're going to see that it's on their altar they're familiar with. We're going to see that they've got all these guys crying out. And we're going to see that in the end, Elijah's going to cover all his wood with water. 240 gallons worth. He's going to keep pouring water on the douse it, douse it. He's going to be over there by himself. He's going to let them go in the heat of the day. And he's not going to go until it's evening. Heat of the day should almost catch on fire by itself. It's how hot it is in the Middle East. So they give them every advantage and watch what happens. Put feet to your faith. Getting there in verse 25. Now, Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourselves. Prepare it first for you are many and call the name of your God, but do not put fire under it. So they took the bull, which was given to them and they prepared it and called the name of Baal from morning until noon. So from 6 a.m. until noon. Oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. Then they leaped about the altar, which they had made. My kids have these, my kids now, they're all grown. I have them for my grandkids. But these old videos, and they're very solid, and they're illustrated by people who used to illustrate Disney, so they're really very well done. I love, the, I love this scene. Every time I read this verse, I think of it. And there are 450 guys, they're marching around this altar. And they're crying, oh, Baal! And they're just crying out to Baal. You know, for six hours in the heat. Oh, Baal. Then they start dancing around it. Oh, Baal. And then they, oh, how we wound ourselves for you. Oh, Baal. Oh, Baal. And they're just crying. And now Elijah's going to start getting uh, sarcasms coming. Ready? You guys ready? They've been marching around. We're, we're five, six hours into this program. Watch what happens. And so it was noon. Elijah mocked them saying, cry aloud. For he's a God, right? I mean, it's. Hey, keep crying out. He's a God, right? He's there. Well, wait a minute. I wonder what he's doing right now. Cry out. Uh, uh, maybe he's out meditating. So he can't hear you. Or he's busy. The word busy there in Hebrew means he's going to the bathroom. <laughs> maybe he's meditating. Maybe he's on the toilet. It's pretty heavy, man. You got to love Elijah. Then he, then he, then he says, Maybe he went on a journey or perhaps he's sleeping. Maybe you need to wake him up. It's been hour upon hour and they're crying out, but they're crying out to nothing. Amen? 
They're crying out to a God that doesn't exist. And this is heartbreaking when you see, again, someone who's sincere doing it. And these prophets of Baal, by the way, how does God feel about people that lead people away from him? How does he feel about them? Not so much. Can I get an amen? One of the first two commandments, no, gra- no, no other gods before me, no graven image. Amen? And it talks about in the word of God that those who would take, you know, you're taking his sheep and leading them astray. You're wolves capturing his sheep. God has harsh judgment for them. And we're going to see that coming in just a moment. Now, I love that Elijah is making this stand. I love that God is using him mightily. And I don't want to miss this. Cherith and Zarephath had something to do with it. See, God was preparing him when he was alone for a year, being fed by ravens, and I believe it increased his prayer life. And then it, God used him when he was in anonymity, just ministering to one person at a time. And now God was, all that time, God was preparing him for a time when he would stand in front of the whole nation, when he would stand before the evil king and the wicked queen, when he would stand before 450 prophets. See, God was doing a work in him to stand in the smaller things to prepare him for the greater. Can I get an amen? And so everything we go through, no suffering is wasted. It's all preparation for what God has next. So Elijah said to them, and by the way, he let them choose the bull they wanted to use. He wanted to make sure they didn't think, oh, they gave us the bad bull that wouldn't burn. Or they gave us the, he let them build their own altar, use their own wood, pick the spot they wanted. It didn't make any difference because if God's on our side, if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. Now it says there in verse 28. So they cried aloud and cut themselves as was their custom with knives and lances until blood gushed out of them. You know, it's sad that that's a practice that still takes place today. If you ever go through like a discovery channel or something sometimes, and you'll see people like in tribes out in the middle of nowhere and they run needles through their face and through their arms and through their body. And they're trying to, you know, like earn God's favor by wounding themselves. Guys, by his stripes, we are healed. Amen? We don't wound ourselves for him. He wounded himself for us. Can I get an amen to that? He suffered and died as if he lived our lives so we could be rewarded as if we lived his. And we don't wound ourselves for him by, again, by his stripes, we are healed. Now watch what happens. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening service. But there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. So if somebody's praying, and I've said this to people, and they get, you know, I try to do it in a loving way, but some will say, well, I'm spiritual, and I just pray to the universe. And so why don't you just yell down a well? You're going to get the same results. Can I get an amen to that? You pray, I, just, I just put out good vibes to the universe, good vibrations only. One of my friends, every time I put something on Facebook, he writes, good vibrations only. Oh, yeah, that does nothing, bro. Can I get an amen to that? We're yelling down at what? Guys, we pray to the Father in the name of the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Almighty God wants to have a relationship with you. When you run to anything else, you're mocking God. Can I get an amen to that? And so nothing had happened. No one heard them. And by the way, that should break our hearts when people are crying out like that. My heart was so broken for that man praying in front of the elephant. I kept trying to find an interpreter. I was so heartbroken. I was there by myself. And I was running around trying to find somebody that could interpret and finally found somebody that could. And when I got back, the man was gone. And I still pray for him to this day. I have no idea what happened to him. But you know, we've trained a lot of pastors out there. Maybe he ended up in one of their churches and I'll see him in heaven. Can I get an amen? But he's crying out in sincerity, but these guys think they're prophets. 
to this false god. They're leading people toward this false god. They were brought down by Jezebel from, you know, from Zarephath. And now they are in God's, in the land of God's people, spreading a, a false gospel. Amen? Preaching, pointing people to a false god. And God does not like that. Let's finish up. Look what it says here. Then Elijah said to the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him. So there's a crowd there. We don't know what size. It never tells us. But there's a crowd. He says, come here to me. They, they, they've worn out. It's been, it's been six, seven, eight hours of them marching around, nothing happening. So he wakes up the crowd. Hey, guys, come over here. Everybody come here. And they all come over to where Elijah is and watch what happens. I love this. He repaired the altar that the Lord of the Lord that was broken. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Now I love this, because if you'll remember, they were split into two nations. There were 10 tribes in the north and two in the south. And I love that Elijah recognized that in God's eyes, Israel is 12, na- 12 tribes and one nation. Can I get an amen? And so he brings the stones and he piles them up. By the way, burning rock's not easy. Can I get an amen to that? And watch what happens. Verse 32. Then the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seahs of seed. And then it says he put wood in order, cut the bowl in pieces, and laid it on the wood and said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. And he did it a second time. Then he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. Now keep in mind, if it's uh, the size of water that Jesus turned water into wine, if it's those kind of pots, this runs out to be about 240 gallons. Remember, there's a, there is a, uh, a time of no water, right? There's a drought. And he's pouring 240 gallons of water. You can think people are probably already getting mad that he's even doing that. So what do we have? We've got an altar. He takes, notice he takes his time to put it together. He doesn't panic. He's not trying to hurry up God. Can I get an amen? He puts it all together right. He honors the Lord with it. He puts stones around it. He covers it in water to make sure everybody can see it, that this isn't some spontaneous combustion. This doesn't happen by chance. He wants to make it as difficult as possible. Guys, because with God, all things are possible. Can I get an amen? When it's the Lord, God can do it. We don't need to put limits on God. Now watch what happens. They put the woods in order. He covers it with water, filled the trench with water. Verse 36, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. So this is, you know, the evening time, the time for the evening sacrifice. That Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known this day that you are the God in Israel and I am your servant. And that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. And it licked up all the, all, it licked up the water that was in the trench. And now when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Amen, amen, and amen. Guys, when God does a miracle, God is glorified. Can I get amen to that? When God does the miraculous, he is pointing people unto himself. He doesn't just do miracles to do miracles. He wants to, because God can do a miracle anytime he wants to, amen? And the reality is, you know, the biggest miracle that everyone in this room is saved for the most part. Can I get amen? 
We were once spiritually dead and we're saved. That's a miracle. Can I get an amen to that? Praise God for it. But notice, they marched around for eight, seven, eight, nine hours. Oh, Baal, 450 of them. Oh, they started dancing. Oh, they're dancing around. They started cutting themselves for their false God. What does Elijah do? He cries out to the Lord. He prays a simple prayer and fire falls from heaven. That's our God. Can I get an amen? And if God is for us, who can be against us? Elijah against 450 prophets. And God bring, brought, brings fire down. And, and again, what does it do? It causes people to repent. I love it. Verse 40, and Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. Whoa, that's not very nice. They've just been crying out to their false God for eight hours. They've cut themselves already. They've been dancing. Nothing happened. You know why? They're trying to deceive God's people. They're trying to draw people away from the true and living God to a false God. And you know what? God hates that. Can I get an amen to that? He hates it. And so this is righteous judgment. And people struggle. See, here's the thing right here. Here's one of those things where people struggle. You know, you know that book you read, it's, it's got a lot of blood in it. That, what a, if that God's real, he's, he's ruthless. No, he's holy is what he is. And he's gracious and he's loving and he's merciful. And he'd rather die than live without you. And yet, if we continue to shake our fists at God, righteous judgment is coming. Can I get an amen? So number six, trust God to do the impossible. God did the impossible and all the false teachers were put to death. Now, by the way, we're not to kill false teachers. Can I get an amen? You leave that in God's hands, amen? Don't, get, don't go to court and say, well, Pastor Dave said when we were first came to King Teen, guys, you know, these, these two Mormon kids came by the house, so I shot them. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Pray for them, love on them. Can I get an amen? Okay. Look at verse 41. Last point. Pray without ceasing. Then Elijah said to, to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Now, I want you to know, he's saying this, it's not raining yet. This is called an act of faith. Can I get an amen? So he says, you might want to go get ready because it's about to rain. It hasn't rained for three and a half years when he tells him that. Now watch. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. And seven times he said, go again. So here's what happens. He prayed one simple prayer and fire came down from heaven. And now he prayed seven times on his face before God. And a servant keeps going out and looking up. We've been on Mount Carmel. You can see forever. He looks out and there's not a cloud in the sky. So what's, what's different? We pray in our time, God answers in his time. Can I get an amen to that? If, can you imagine if God answered prayer, if every time, now get on your knees and pray for it three times, then God will make it happen. You know what happens? He becomes a genie. Can I get an amen to that? You're not seeking the Lord. You're just doing the rituals. Amen? Hail Mary, Mother of God. Don't do that. Can I get an amen? Don't pray with vain repetition. What do we do? We cry out to the Lord. We enter into his presence. Can I get an amen? Now watch what happens. Then it came to pass the seventh time. He said, well, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. 
So he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. All he saw was a little tiny cloud in the sky, but he knew, he had faith to know that God had told him that he was going to bring the rain and he saw the beginning of it and he trusted that God was going to do it. And it says there, now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. I love that how there's a, I love this. God spoke through Elijah. God answered Elijah's prayer. And then as Ahab goes away in his chariot, God gives him the speed to outrun a chariot back to Jezreel. You gotta love it. So God is, God is hand on Elijah. And you know what? When a man will step out in faith, God will do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. When a man or a woman steps out and says, Lord, use me, God can use us in ways far beyond our capabilities. Can I get an amen to that? And that's what God desires to do in our lives. So living, an ungodly life, living a godly life in an ungodly world, take a stand for the Lord when nobody else will. If you're the only person in your office that knows the Lord, start praying for your coworkers by name. Pray for people in your family who don't know the Lord. Be kind, be loving, be gracious. But don't be, please don't be ashamed. Living a life that increases the faith of others. May we live in such a way that other people see the way we live and it increases their faith. Proclaim the truth of God's word with boldness. May the Holy Spirit uh, within us bring conviction. Remember they said, you're the one. He said, you're the one bringing the trouble to Israel. No, you're the one whose life, the way you're living in is bringing conviction to my life because you're living in such a godly way. Exhort others to choose today whom we will serve. How long are you going to bounce back and forth between the world and the Lord? When are you going to choose? Put feet to your faith. Step out and trust God. He will show up in a mighty way. Trust God to do the impossible and pray without ceasing. We serve a great and awesome God. Amen. amen. And understand that the, the God of Elijah is, is our God. Amen. And the spirit that the Lord poured out on Elijah is the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. Amen. And you say, well, God used Elijah mightily. Well, God wants to use you mightily. Amen. For his kingdom and for his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. Lord, we just thank you for the example we see in tonight's text. And Lord, keep us humble, broken, and desperate. Keep us usable for your kingdom. May we never look down upon another person, but recognize we're just one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. But may we, at the same time, if somebody is mocking our God, give us the strength to stand up. Somebody challenges our faith, give give us the wisdom to know how to respond. And Lord, we do pray for our country, Lord. We pray we bring revival. And Lord, I pray it would start in the hearts of those who know you first and that we would stand for you and, and love people the way you love people, that we would represent you well. Lord, we can't say God bless America till America blesses God. And I pray we'd be a blessing to you. Be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said.